Welcome to the Heal and Awaken podcast. Today we're doing a special episode with Dr. Paul Douglas um, to address some of the issues and concerns facing the world today in regards to the coronavirus and all of our human collective uh, opportunities to transform and awaken and all the uncertainty of today's world. So as many of you know, Dr. Paul Douglas is my guest on the Heal and Awaken podcast. We just finished season three in early March. We will begin season four next week, but we thought we would do a special episode today just so we can get his insight, and wisdom, knowledge, and guidance as to how we can support ourselves during this very interesting, uncertain times. So welcome, Dr. Douglas. It's great to have you with us once again. It's great to be here, Aparna. So as you know, I just came back from India last week. <laughs> and I talked to you before I went to India even questioning my trip and I decided to go forward with it and uh, came back two days early I'm on one of the last flights out of India from the whole COVID-19 restrictions on travel. And, and I was so concerned about being allowed into the US, but after I came here, I realized I should have been more concerned about being stuck in India because the restrictions there are really really intense right now so i'm really glad to be back and i would love to know your oh your thoughts on what is this underlying opportunity that we have uh, if we set aside the fear about a recession and the virus and loss, financial loss to so many businesses and billions of people all over the world. What is this tremendous opportunity that we have spiritually for, for us collectively and individually? So first let me uh, say I'm glad that you made it back. It, um, it sounded like it was questionable and when you were applying the trip I thought you might uh, have some trouble getting back. So I'm glad you were able to make it and, and do so in a way where you're um, healthy and happy. And also want to just acknowledge that there is tremendous fear right now and tremendous uncertainty. And it's important that we don't just try to push those feelings down, but that we start to examine the, the beliefs and the attitudes that are giving rise to those. So one of the opportunities is for us to first become more aware of what's running through our emotional body. But I think it will also help for us to be aware of the biggest possible picture of what the virus is about. On the greater 
level, on, on a deeper understanding of consciousness, every physical element also has its existence in higher frequencies of consciousness. So a tree has an energy, for example. That energy of the tree is, uh, is that higher frequency in the energetic plane of that physical existence. And uh, animals, as we know, have, have a soul, as it were. We are able to relate and connect to them on an emotional level, on a higher level than just this physical object. We know there's a being there. Even though it's not a human being, there's a being there. And so every element, including viruses and bacteria, have an, an intelligence and an existence on other planes. And so they carry a message and they have a purpose. And one of the elements of how they survive and grow has to do with the collective consciousness. The collective consciousness, those vibrations that are present, tend to feed and give energy to certain life forms. And, and so we can, we can look at this virus as an expression of this vibration that's been building in the collective consciousness and in its bigger cosmic purpose is in, in the role of helping humanity to transform. To understand that, just think about what it's been like over the last couple of years in terms of the great divisiveness within our country, within many countries, between conservative and progressive fashion, uh, factions, and, and between countries, you know, the trade wars and um, all kinds of, of minor and major wars uh, all contribute to this both fear but also this disconnection that says, oh, these people are not me, they're not like me, and therefore I can treat them in ways that I would never treat myself or my family. And all of a sudden, one way of reminding humanity is for there to be something that affects us all something that makes us realize that doesn't matter what nation, what race, that we're all in this together. We all are the same human being, even if we have differences and uniquenesses, we're really all part of the human family. And one of the dictates and one of the reasons that humanity has been able to survive through 
thousands and thousands of years of challenges in the environment and even challenges that are man-made is that we are programmed for altruism. The human species lives, it, it depends on altruism, it depends on the, the gifts of the parents because our time from birth to the time when we're able to take care of ourselves and survive it is so long for human beings, unlike many species. If you just look at, you know, um, a foal or uh, a calf, they're able to walk almost immediately. Well, not so for human beings. We have a long time before we're able to even walk on our own, let alone be able to interact with the environment in any way, try to find food and, and survive. So part of our humanity is this innate altruism and innate connectedness. And we've been in the illusion of division, in the illusion where we can't tolerate someone having beliefs that are different from ours. That somehow we have to judge the person because of their beliefs or their politics and not realize that everybody has beliefs. And and start to realize that regardless of what our beliefs, regardless of what our religion, what our spirituality, or how we perceive the world, we're all in this together. We're all valuable. We all need to be supporting one another. We all need to be taking care of one another. And so one of the elements of this particular virus is this reality that it's not like the plague, it's not like Ebola where people are just wiped out in large numbers. If you get it, you're likely to die. It's a smaller percentage, but it's those of us who are the weakest, the elderly, those with underlying conditions, those with uh, immune system diseases who are the most vulnerable. And so we're being taught, and, and many of us are getting the lesson, and, and some of us are, are not, but we're being taught how important it is that we take care of the weakest of us that we have a responsibility to one another and, and, and our steps to take care not to pass this virus on to those who are weak because the mortality rate is so high for those compared to other illnesses like, uh, like the flu that we are being called to recognize this is going to be a key element of moving forward into the new age. 
that we are focused on, on humanity as a whole, that we're focused on taking care of the whole and not just, well, you know, I'm young, it doesn't affect me or I'm really healthy even though I'm middle-aged, you know, and it's, um, I shouldn't have to be inconvenienced. No, there, there are two elements to it. One is just the reality that we're being asked to take care of and, and take precautions and make sacrifices for the weakest of us. It's also the reality of the way this um, has worked that um, the spread is so fast that we will overwhelm the hospital systems and thereby put all of us at risk if we should need hospitalization for anything. So there's that message, but taking a step even further back, then looking at where we're at, it, we're in a time of transition between ages, between the Piscean age and the Aquarian age. And the Piscean age is very much focused on this element of the personal depths of feeling and the personal depths of suffering and learning and lessons and learning about the truth of life through all of that. The Aquarian age is, is totally different. It's, it is focused on society as a whole. The symbol for the Aquarian age is the water bearer who's pouring water onto the earth. And it's in astrology an air sign and that represents thought and communication that represents technology and techniques. So we're entering into an age where the structures of the Piscean age that were built on more of a egocentric focus, we could say, and more on trying to control things through gaining more power, we're moving into an age where the focus is on the entire humanity being moved forward and benefited through working together through technologies that connect us, through techniques that allow us to evolve without having to go through deep, dark, depths of, of suffering. And that means the structures, the financial structures, the way we work, the elements of technology, all of these are in transition. And so this time out, as it were, where we've needed to isolate and we've needed to shut down the economy is really begging the question and, and asking us to look at how do we want to live going forward? What way of doing business, what way of, of organizing the economy will be more 
good for the whole. Not just good for the successful entrepreneur, but good for all of us. What way of living is it crammed into these cities or is there something that's going to be more harmonious and more supportive that maybe is more rural? I don't know the answer to that question, but what is being asked of us is to take this time to look at that and to start thinking about this age that we're moving into where more of our interconnection will be through technology. More of our inner growth and development will come through techniques and inner technologies as opposed to these challenging, challenging experiences. And we're also being asked to look at where is our foundation? Where is it that we are getting our sense of security from? How is it that we deal with uncertainty? How is it that we support each other through this time? How is it that we can cultivate more of a sense, more of a picture of the fullness of who we can be and, and how we can serve and how our life can have meaning instead of just assuming the structures that have been there before are just the way it is and that we have to try to fit ourselves into them. So it's a time of pause where we can really reflect on our values and, and our life and how we want to do things going forward. It's a time of great transition. And that's a time, also a time of great challenge. And that begs the question of us being able to meet the challenge, to have the, the courage to find, okay, instead of feeling victimized by what's happened, how can we how can we empower ourselves? In other words, victimize is probably a harsh word. And, and if, if you're feeling uh, uh, fear and you're feeling uncertainty, I'm not wanting you to be put off by that sense, but I'm, but I'm wanting to, to maybe look at, is there a way that you can use this time to empower yourself to create changes in your life that will feel even better than what you've been doing in the past. So in that sense, meeting the challenge with empowerment as opposed to meeting the challenge with fear and anxiety, seeing if we can move to that and really envision the greatest possible outcome the greatest possible expression of our of our lives of our purpose for being here of our way of expressing our core values and and who we really are and the deepest part of our being thank you so much for that it's very inspiring very beautiful and there are some people in my circles and your circles who feel a certain level of deep groundedness and stillness 
And uh, while we are observing and witnessing everything that's happening, we're not so shaken by it where we feel like, oh my gosh, am I going to be on the street? Or those more of those fundamental concerns, even though they're there in the collective for all of us, we're not so shaken by it at all. And yet I know some people personally, and of course I see it all over social media, who are very, their anxiety is just so magnified, their fear is so magnified. Where does a person like that even begin to feel a sense of, here's a great opportunity for me to feel connected with all of humanity, to here's an opportunity for me to um, do my part and surrender and trust that the process of life is unfolding perfectly on my behalf. Where does a person begin to do that when they're in a very high state of anxiety and fear? They, they don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's too much to ask. <laughs> we have to be realistic in that when somebody's in that state, first, the first thing they have to do is, is have, find a way to shift that state. In other words, find a way to center, find a way to transcend what's going on before we can even talk about approaching it differently. So we have, so this is where the first step really is to take care of yourself, you know, to make sure you get enough rest at night, to make sure you're engaging in a meditation process. And then when anxiety comes up, to be able to observe it and to center in the moment and and start the process of transcending what's happening or just observing the emotion until it starts to dissipate. What is too often the case is that we feel the anxiety and then it's uncomfortable and then we try to do something to fix it, to change what's creating the anxiety or control what's creating the anxiety or or to feel out of control but try to suppress it or repress it. And that never works. That just creates a delay in being able to attend to it. Usually underneath the anxiety, there's some belief that is really up for examination. What, what we discover too often in these times of crisis when, when we're not working, when we don't have a job, we were just talking with someone today about, you know, oh, I was talking to two people today who may lose their jobs. And we were saying, you know, um, we don't, there, we, you always have a place. You always have a place with us. You always will have food. Don't, don't worry about the basics. So again, this kind of pulling together of humanity and realizing that, no, my security is not in a paycheck. 
it's elsewhere. Ultimately, for those people who are experiencing that groundedness, they've found it deep within themselves, deep within their own hearts. They've found the security. But for those of us who haven't found that yet, we often find it in the support around us, in the neighbors. Like my father has had neighbors coming by to help and offering to get groceries for him and so forth. And and so it's us kind of pulling together and shifting that belief that, oh, my security is, is in a paycheck. It's, it's really not. It's, it's ultimately, and, and not to sound too woo-woo, but ultimately it's through grace that, that we survive. It's through grace that we actually have security. And it's being able to feel into that grace and find those things in our environment that are symbolic of that grace, that, that bring us remembrances and bring us manifestations of that grace that, that ultimately gives us the security. So acknowledging the fear, looking at the belief that may be driving it, and really asking, is that true? And and taking, doing what you can to center. This is where heart centering and meditation, I think, are so valuable. They, they give you a little break. They allow you to transcend for a while. So you come back with fresh eyes and really look at the situation in a different way instead of, instead of trying to avoid things or trying to control things. Does that make sense? Yes, very much so. Um... So when I was in India, I had this epiphany that there really has never been a time in my life where I had any kind of certainty from the outer world. And as you know, I had thought about not going to India, but I felt like I needed to be there. I needed to be there for my mom and I got to study whatever I went to study. And But more than that, I was able to recognize that I've had all kinds of illusions about certainty. And somehow I was unmasked of these illusions from, from deep within. And I realized that all these outer certainties are just, they're momentary. And so it was a, it was a very humbling experience and a beautiful experience. And I want to be able to connect that to your question that you asked a few minutes ago. We get to ask ourselves, where is our foundation? So if you can expand on that, that would be great. Well, I think one of the things that you're alluding to is, yes, when we, when we examine our lives and we look at where, where has the mind been seeking that security? What's been the foundation that we've rested our sense of security on? And, and when we look at the mind, it's it's really a horrible master. <laughs> it's, it's a great tool, but it's a horrible master. 
and it falls prey to illusion very easily. And one of the things that I know that you've done that's been so, so, so important, and I think most likely has contributed to you being able to see through the illusions with such clarity and also with, without despair, but actually coming to discover within you the truth. And, and that is that you've been engaged in a process of heart centering. And that's, those words are easily understood, uh, easily misunderstood to mean something about some tender feelings. And what we're actually talking about is connecting not to the emotional heart, but to the, this, the spiritual heart, to the true heart that is not being swayed by the emotions and feeling the subtle higher frequency of our being through that window, through that portal of the heart. And discovering through that what is always there, what is always present, what is always available to us, what is the true source of security. And so there's an exploration that's aided by heart-based meditation. It's aided by a, um, a little training and the heart-centering process that allows us to discover that the mind can't be our foundation. That our being, our consciousness, and the various facets of the true heart as we explore our being through the window of the heart, we, we come to understand these facets of our, of our heart and of our being that are, that are our true foundation and that give us often what we're looking outside of ourselves to find. Yes, um, I, I agree with you. And I had every opportunity to freak out about all kinds of things, yeah. <laughs> uh, considering my flights were canceled and um, I had to buy a different ticket and all these things. And so, um, I just knew in my heart of hearts that I was going to come back here and I just trusted it. Um, and I, it was, it was a step-by-step -step trust. I'm going to get to Bangalore. I'm going to get to Bombay and then I'm going to get to Newark and then I'm going to get to the CDC station at Newark airport and then fly to Detroit. And, uh, yeah, heart centering definitely has been my, my best friend for sure. Recently, somebody introduced me to this, this um, idea of uh, being an MD, madly devoted. <laughs> and I think that here is a great opportunity for all of us to be madly devoted to this, knowing ourselves on the deepest level possible and experiencing ourselves on the deepest level possible. 
So I believe the next heart-based meditation training is on March 28th. Is that correct? That's correct. At 11 a.m. Eastern time. Go to heartbasedmeditation.com and you can register. Yeah. So that's actually tomorrow. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes. Uh, so also would love to um, get your thoughts on you know, there's so much news now about this coronavirus and all the shutdowns and the lockdowns and the updates and the numbers. And um, there's such a sensory overload. People are taking in so much through their eyes from watching the news and their ears from just taking in all this information. Can you talk about how this is so exhausting to the brain to the nervous system and how important it is to to go on a sensory fast <laughs> so there are two things to keep in mind one is um for those who are rather centered you were talking about some of us feel um actually peaceful at this time while others are experiencing a lot of fear and uncertainty and and for those who have a sense of the bigger picture and, and feel grounded, some of them are actually telling me they have a feeling of excitement. Like, you know, there's gonna be this opportunity for us to really create something different coming out of this. And, and that can be exciting. Um, and so there, there can be some excitement in that. Um, for others, um, the, all the media can be, it's, it, it's, an, it's sensational. It's everything that we're experiencing is so new. Intentionally shutting down the world economy. It, it, and and I, I just had a discussion um, with my wife about um, as someone had written about, you know, if um, 10 years ago, somebody had told you, it's like back to the future, you know, <laughs> somebody from the future comes back and tells you what's happening, you know, that the reality TV star is <laughs> Donald Trump is the president of the United States and that, you know, <laughs> that the entire world is shutting down and that people are, are hoarding toilet paper, <laughs> yeah. you know, it would be, so, so there is an element of, of that it really is amazing and that, that we get drawn in to wanting to find out what's going to happen next. It's the story of humanity and what's the story, how's the story going to play out? And, and there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's important to have that balanced. And so uh, that you're not overstimulating the nervous system, you know, like, you, you know, if you want to keep up with things, have like check-in times, you know, where, you know, hey, maybe, you know, five minutes in the morning, five minutes at noon, five minutes in the evening, where you kind of check in on things, but that you're not just sitting in front of the media all day long, seeing everything happening, um, 
just because it overstimulates the nervous system and that is a stress and and to the extent that we get stressed and and maybe get into fear we weaken the immune system at a time when we need to be keeping it really really strong and so it's not necessary to do entire media fast but um but do as you say take advantage of this time to go within to start exploring within and and not spend all of your time uh, on, on the media thank you dr douglas so i think we will end here now uh there's so much to ponder such rich wisdom Thank you so much for that. And also would like to announce that we will begin season four next week uh, titled Heart-Centered Living with Dr. Paul Douglas. So be sure to tune in. We are planning on 10 glorious episodes. I just saw the list of topics today and um, can't wait to share with everyone. Please do subscribe to a Heal and Awaken podcast and share it widely, please. And um, we will see you next week. Thank you so much, Dr. Douglas. And Thank you. It's been uh, wonderful to be able to, to share about this, particularly at this time. I think people really need to know more about the deeper meaning of what's taking place. Yeah, and I think it gives people... Uh, there's a comforting aspect to it, and it can also help people to bring their focus from something else to this, this place of truth, consciousness, and there's a beauty to all of this. As you said, we're all in this together, and to be able to cultivate this energy of love and compassion, and definitely I'm one of the people who's excited about what is to come. I don't know what it is, but I just know it's going to be amazing. And I was saying yesterday in, uh, in the class that I did that we all chose to incarnate at this time. And so we have a responsibility towards ourselves and towards the greater whole. And we might as well exercise this privilege that we have by cultivating this beautiful heart energy and share this vibration, this higher consciousness and this love uh, for all people everywhere. So thank you so much for all your teachings, all your books, all your wisdom. We're so blessed, all of us. Thank it's you. my pleasure, my pleasure. And uh, we will see you all next week for episode one of Heart Centered Living. Thank you so much for listening to the Heal and Awaken podcast. See you soon.